Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently published a new book titled Bible Crawling, Finding Joy in God by Journaling Through the Psalms. You can find Olin's book on whipandstock.com. That's W-I-P-F and stock.com, as well as amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. Father God, would you fill us all full of the Holy Spirit? Lord, fill me full of your Spirit to speak your word faithfully. And would you fill all of us full of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to hear well, to listen, to remember, to believe, to trust, to obey, and to apply. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is God's Word. So, there's a lot in that passage. Uh, We will not be able to touch on it all tonight. Just three points that I would like to try to make from the passage. God chose us in kind intention for His glory. And I'll explain more by what I mean by all of that as we go through it. But the first point that comes out several times in this passage is God chose us. God predestined us. And it specifically, over ten times in different ways, Paul says, in Christ. We've been chosen in Christ. We've been adopted in Jesus, in Him. God doesn't give blessings to people arbitrarily. God gives, God the Father gives all good things to His Son. And when we are in Christ, we receive those things. And so we should never try to think about the blessings of God apart from our union with Christ, apart from our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you start reading and talking about this, especially when you start talking about predestination, almost always there's somebody in the crowd who will start to say, well, but how do I know? How do I know for sure that I've been chosen, I've been predestined? The answer is in the text, really in verse 1, to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. How do you know if you've been chosen? How do you know if you've been predestined? How do you know for sure that you've been saved? Are you faithful in Christ Jesus? Reverend Barker, many years ago, used to say, it's not about the perfection of your life. It is about the direction of your life. Others have said, it's not about perfection. It is about progress. I've been married for over 24 years now. I promise you, if you ask my wife, grab her after the service, has Olin been perfect? She'll be, no, will be the resounding answer. And she'll be happy to give you examples of how I've not been perfect. But I'm pretty sure, at least I'm hopeful, if you said to her, well, has he been faithful? 
Yes, in general, he's been faithful. And that's a good picture of what it means to be in Christ. It's not about your sinless perfection. None of us have that in this life. But it is about faithfulness in Christ. And what this passage shows us is that the root of our salvation is God's action towards us, his choice, his predestination, his adoption, his love, his grace, his peace, his initiation, his plan. It's, he gets all the credit. I mean, this passage and many other places in the Bible is making it abundantly clear we can't take one ounce of credit for the fact that I'm in Christ because he did it before the foundation of the world. I didn't even exist yet, so how could I take credit? He chose you. He gets all the credit. But, but the fruit, the evidence, the proof of my salvation is my slow but sure beginning steps of holiness. Living like a faithful spouse, living like an adopted son. Slowly but surely becoming more of a blameless person. Not perfect, but growing. And I just say this, because even in great Presbyterian churches, there are still a lot of us that sometimes can struggle with this whole concept of predestination. It's mysterious, and how does it work, and man's responsibility, and, and I just say this. It's not wrong to ask those questions. It's not wrong to wrestle with those things in Scripture. But every once in a while, it's good to just step back and just say, let me just imagine for a second that it's all true. That I was just a wicked, dead rebel in the orphanage of this world and God walked in and said, I like you. I choose you. I adopt you out of the orphanage of this world and it has nothing to do with you. It just has everything to do with my goodness and love. And just sit there and just imagine for a second, what if it really is that true and good and just enjoy it? Because that's what happened. Now, listen. God's choosing of us is not arbitrary. It's not like any, many, many, mo. It's like, well, I need to save some and I need to damn some. I'll just take these people. We don't know all of God's reasons. We, we know that it's not about our merit. It's not about our goodness. But listen, he had a plan. He had a purpose. And he chose you. If you're in Christ, he chose me. Hallelujah. What a savior. He's such a good God, and we should be rejoicing in Him. God chose us. That's the foundation of our faith. Now, the second point is this, in kind intention. Now, the text clearly says God chose us, but if you're reading the ESV like I am tonight, it doesn't say in kind intention. But in the end of verse 5 and in verse 9 where it talks about His will, a better translation, the New American Standard, would say in kind intention. Even the King James Version, I think, gets this a little bit better than the ESV here. It says, his good pleasure. God chose us, and it was his supreme delight to choose us. It's kind of like going to Chick-fil-A, right? It's my pleasure, whatever you ask for. Another Chick-fil-A sauce, my pleasure, my pleasure. Sometimes you're like, is it really your pleasure? Right? But it's God's pleasure. Now think about that for a second. When so, if somebody genuinely says, it's my pleasure to do this for you, it's got to mean at least one of two things. It either means they like what they're doing, or it means they just like you that much. Imagine you have a great friend, and this friend knows your favorite hobby. Snow skiing, moose hunting, Taylor Swift concerts, I don't know. And your friend says, hey... I want to take you to do that thing. You'd probably say, it's my pleasure to accept. It's my pleasure to go because you like the thing so much. 
Now, if your friend also knows that you're like me and you hate most manual labor, you hate yard work, you hate moving somebody out of their apartment for the umpteenth time, but they say, hey, friend, would you come and do it? I would probably say yes if they're my friend, but I wouldn't say it's my pleasure. And if I did say it's my pleasure, I'd either be lying or maybe I would say, you know what? I do love you so much. I hate what you're asking me to do, but I like you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to serve you. It's God's pleasure to save us and kind intention to bless us. Guys, look back at verse 3 for just a second. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That, that's his purpose. That's his end goal. Is every spiritual blessing that exists, it's already, if you're in Christ, it's already yours. You have it. It's reserved for you in heaven. Now you may say, I'm a good Christian, so I believe that, but a lot of times down here on planet Earth, it doesn't feel like I've got every spiritual blessing. It feels a lot more like a roller coaster ride. Sometimes I have some nice times of worship and joy and peace, but a lot of the times it's dark, it's painful. But there's a great old hymn that talks about, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That's what life on planet Earth is supposed to be like for Christians. It's a great appetizer. Now, I was one of the kids that my mom used to always say to me, because I would just be eating all the time. I was always kind of a husky fellow. And so she'd be like, quit eating, son. You're going to spoil your appetite. I wish that I could spoil my appetite. Even early in marriage, my wife used to say that. If I had enough discipline, I could spoil my appetite. My problem is I'll have a snack at five. If dinner's at six and it looks good, I'll just eat again. I can't spoil my appetite. I wish I could. You can't spoil your spiritual appetite. Just recently, we're on a family vacation. My wife and my sister-in-law were kind of making a Mexican feast, some of my favorite food. My sister-in-law was making the guacamole. I love a good guacamole. My son came upstairs and said, Dad, the guacamole is ready. I took that to mean it's an appetizer. Whether it was or not, I don't know. I went down and I treated it like an appetizer. I had lots of guacamole. It was very good. I started to feel full. I still like the feast later. Here's my point. For Christians living on planet Earth, we've got the best retirement plan in the world called heaven. It's going to be pure feasting, pure bliss. We won't live by faith anymore. We'll live by sight. But down here on planet Earth, when it's pretty dark and it's mostly by faith and not much sight, get as much of the appetizer as you can. Through prayer, through meditation, through worship, through fellowship with other Christians, try to set the eyes of your heart on the blessings that you have in Christ and enjoy them as much as you can. You can't spoil your appetite. Really what it will make your appetite do is grow for more in heaven. And that's supposed to what we're supposed to be doing. Thinking about the kind intention of his will to bless us. Here's John Calvin's definition of blessing. It's to prosper us. It's to enrich us abundantly with all good things. Did you notice the phrase in there where it talks about according to the riches of his grace? And probably many of us have heard this before. It's not just out of the riches of his grace, it's according to the riches of his grace. Now let's just hypothetically imagine tonight that there were two millionaires in the crowd and they're really passionate about Scotland. Maybe they love golf, maybe they love the Presbyterian history, whatever it is. And they hear about the acres going. And so they come up and they say, 
I never want you to struggle for support, son. And so the first man writes him a $50,000 check. I don't know for sure. I'm going to guess that's the biggest check they've ever gotten. One lump sum. And he says, hey, thank you. I mean, that is out of their riches. And if the next millionaire comes and says, I'd like to give you $2 million, that's more according to the riches. It shows the riches that this man has. If he can just stroke a $2 million check for a guy he's never met. And the way that God likes to bless us as his children is according to his riches. That when we're really paying attention, when we really set the eyes of our heart by faith on his goodness and his glory for us, there's a sense of it's too good to be true. This is too rich. He's so kind. He takes supreme delight in blessing us. Did you notice the phrase there in verse 7? In him we have redemption. It's not just that he adopted us out of the orphanage of the world. He bought us back out of the slave market of sin. He loves us. He pursues us. He initiates. And why does he do all this? He does it for his own glory. Look again. Let's just read again. Start in verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. That phrase shows up three times in this passage. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When we get to heaven, it's all going to make sense. My guess is most of us have had the experience before of watching some favorite TV show, binging on Netflix, or maybe watching some long, great movie, or some series of movies, or reading a great novel, or maybe even a series of books. And then you kind of get to the ending, and it's kind of like, ah, they didn't really land the plane very well. They asked too many deep questions in that TV series, and you get to the end, and you're like, ah, they just they couldn't land the plane. They didn't do justice to it. But every once in a while, right, you see a movie, you read a book, and you get to the end, and it's like, it was perfect. It was harmonious. All the loose ends got tied up. And it was beautiful. It was, and it's satisfying, is it not? That's going to be heaven times a trillion, and then some. I think that many of us, myself included, we know God's sovereign, we know God's wise, but we're going to get to heaven, and some of the tragedies in our life, I mean, we're barely hanging on. That God, you got a good purpose here. I don't know how it's going to work out. But we're going to get there, and we're going to see what God did, and we're going to kind of say, okay, Father, I guess it kind of all balanced out. Not going to happen. We're going to get there, and we're going to say, I praise you now for the tragedy. Because I see the beautiful triumph that you pulled out of it. And it's perfect. It's better than I could have imagined. I think there's going to be stunned, shock, and all silence. You ever had that at the end of a great movie? The surprise ending? And it's not like one of those dark surprise endings that leaves you in depression for a week. But one of those surprise endings where you leave and it's just, it's joy. You can't go to bed at night because you're thinking, like, how'd they do that? I didn't see it coming. It was amazing. That's going to be all eternity, guys. Walking around hearing each other's stories. God did that in your life? Let me tell you what God did in my life. It's all for his glory. The praise of his glory. And verse 6 gets it even the most specific. The praise of the glory of his grace. 
You know what glory is really about? Do you remember Exodus 33, 34, one of my favorite passages where Moses says, show me your glory. And God said, come up on the mountain. And this is kind of the Olin paraphrase, but God said, come up on the mountain and bring something to write with. And we know Moses saw something, the backside of God's glory, but it's not described for us at all. But you know what is described? What Moses heard. The Lord, the Lord God, the compassionate and gracious one. The name of God, the character of God, that he's just and the justifier. That's the glory of God. That he works grace in and for his people. And guys, did you notice in verse, I mean, it talks about the Father, it talks about the Son, and by verse 13 it's talking about being sealed in the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, what that means for you and I is this. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in a divine conspiracy to bless your socks off. They're not going to fail. They're not going to miss. They're not going to make a mistake. You're not going to get to heaven and say, pretty good, Lord, but let me just, you know, one thing you could have done that would have been a little bit better. It's not going to happen. We're going to get there and fall on our face and worship for all eternity for joy over the ways that he has blessed us. Now, we are supposed to live for the praise, the glory of his grace. I think we're probably all aware. Just recently last month, our denomination, the PCA, lost two giants. And our church lost a pastor. And my guess is that all of us have either been to a funeral service or maybe watched one or a prayer service or a service of remembrance or have received phone calls, text, emails from friends and people said, hey, so sorry, and here's a way that Pastor Rita was used in my life and I'm thinking and praying for you. Or there's Facebook posts galore, articles by famous people like Al Mohler and Kevin DeYoung, and then random Facebook posts by people you never heard of praising these men. And listen, that's a good thing to do. It is good and right and biblical to honor people who have lived faithfully for Christ. And I don't know about you, but part of what creeps into my mind when I'm reading, I'm hearing all this, I wonder what people say about me when I die. To me, when Abby and Ike and Jennifer spoke about their father at the funeral, so powerful. And I couldn't help but think, I wonder what my kids will say about me one day. But listen, I think that's a good thing to think about your legacy. How are you going to finish well? What are other people going to see and think? It's also dangerous. You see the subtle danger? Because really quick, I can see it happen in my own heart. Yes, I want all the praise to go to Jesus, but God, I'd like just a footnote. A short footnote right I want it to be like Jesus in big lights and then I want there to be an asterisk and like down there at the bottom maybe just a line or two about me and listen it's not when I just think about my funeral it's when I think about this sermon I pray God bless show up power help people but then I just see this little creeping thing in my heart I want people to like me too or when I go help the friend move out of the apartment. All glory to Jesus, but dadgummit, I wish they'd say thank you a little bit more. 
pride starts to creep in. If you were here this morning, Rob uh, referenced Ephesians 2 about the Gentiles being brought into the kingdom. And part of the tension in the early church, including the Ephesus church, was the Jews and Gentiles had a hard time getting along sometimes. And a large part of that was because the Jews were kind of like, hey, we're here first. We're supposed to be special. We've been doing this thing for like thousands of years. You're Johnny come lately. I mean, we'll let you into heaven. We don't want you to go to hell, but there's got to be like some kind of second steer status, right? We're better than y'all. And, and that's part of why Paul says, okay, verse 12, so that we who were the first, he's talking about the Jews, to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. It's all supposed to be about Jesus. It's not supposed to be about Jews and Gentiles or me or you or anybody else. We're supposed to be lost and just praising him, worshiping him, honoring him. So think about your legacy, but be careful. And that's part of what was so great about Ike and Abby and Jennifer and everybody else that was on the stage that day, that day, the way they honored Pastor Reader, is they said a lot of great things about him, but they all said, it's about Jesus, right? Ultimately, anything good and right in any Christian's life is ultimately because of Jesus. He gets all the credit and glory, and we need to remind ourselves of that. So just a couple more thoughts when we're done. This passage talks about God blessing us and then us praising God. And the word bless and praise in the Greek, they're really pretty similar concepts. They both basically mean to speak well of. So part of what this passage is instructing us is enjoy all the good things that God says about us like, I love you, I forgive you, I save you. Enjoy that. And then out of the overflow of that experience, turn around and live for the praise of his glory. That every word you speak, every thought that you think, every desire of your heart, every intention would all be about praising the Lord Jesus Christ, praising the glory of his grace. A total life given to that. And why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ gave his total life for us. All his sweat, all his blood, all his tears, his life, his death, his taking of the wrath of God for us. His resurrection was for us so that he could speak well of us. It is finished. Done. Signed, sealed, delivered. Did you notice at the end of verse 7, it speaks of according to the riches of his grace. It's a little strange when you're talking about God to talk about his riches in anything. Because it's like, well, he's rich in everything. If he has it and it's good, he's rich in it. So why this phrase, the riches of his grace? And there's probably multiple reasons, but I think part of this is salvation for us is free. But for God the Father, it was supremely costly. His grace is so costly because it took the blood of his son to be shed for all of my sins, for all the sins of all those who are in Christ. All of our pride, all of our selfishness, all of our arrogance. But if I'm in Christ, I'm covered, I'm forgiven. And slowly but surely by his grace, I'm being changed and conformed to his image. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. We love you. We don't love you near enough. Thank you for how perfectly 
and well and wisely and fully and deeply and all-encompassingly, you have loved us with your life, your death, your resurrection. Make us more grateful. Make us more in awe of the gospel. Don't let us get bored. Don't let us get numb to truths that we've heard for 40 plus years. Let there be a sweet freshness to your goodness every time that we open the word so that we may be compelled to live for the praise of your glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand to receive the Lord's benediction. Go and enjoy the blessings in Christ and live for the praise of his glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.